0: Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and their cities are fortified. Very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. And Amalekes dwell in the south, and the Hittites, the Jebusites, Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea along the banks of the Jordan. Now, uh, I, I, want, um, I, I, I verses 28 and 29 are really important because what they're saying is not untrue. What they're saying is not untrue. These are not people who watch CNN or MSNBC. (laughs) What What they're reporting is correct. They were, they were giants. They were big. It was closed off. So what they're saying is not incorrect. So faith doesn't deny the challenge. Faith does not deny the challenge. Now, it's, it's, it's it really, too, a lot of it is the posture of your heart. Because yeah. you see in Luke 1, Mary and Zacharias both asked Gabriel questions. One of them was from a deep place of unbelief and offense. The other was just, hey, I just want to know how this is going to happen. One of them got to talk. The other one didn't talk until it came into alignment with the word of the Lord. So questions aren't, it's really a positioning of your heart. Now, I don't suggest talking about how bad it is all the time or how bad you're sick and all this stuff if you are sick, but faith is not a denial of the problem. So what they're saying is not untrue, but what they saw overrode what God said. That's the problem. What they saw with their natural eyes overrode what God told them. So here's a life principle I have learned that often the problem or the situation is not your problem. Here's another one. I know this was like a big one because we blame the devil for everything. Often the devil is not your problem. In fact, I don't really focus too much on the devil. I've had people, i oh, the devil, that nasty devil. No, 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 I'm not looking for the devil. i got enough challenges without f- f- starting to fight with him. The fight, the real challenge is the fight of faith. And the Bible doesn't say we're destroyed because of the devil. It says we're destroyed for a lack of revelation. When you trust God, you destroy the devil. And he said, fight the fight of faith. So what they're reporting is not untrue, but it overwhelmed them to a point they see no way they can defeat or they can go into that land and do what God told them to do. Notice, though, too. In this defining moment, God did not intend the battle to be theirs. God does. The beautiful thing about faith is it takes it. Ta- it, it, al- it, it allows God to be your fighter. It takes you out of your own. They can't defeat them in their own natural strength. But with God. Here we go. Keep going on. Now you'll notice here verse 30. Two groups of people, both covenant people, and both are approaching this situation differently. And they both got different results. A covenant with God did not necessarily mean they had faith in that covenant. A covenant with God did not necessarily mean they had faith in that covenant. So why am I saying this to you? I'm not denying certain challenges take place. Actually, I don't think that they're funny like some people do. I don't think it's funny that sometimes our president can't think logically. I see people mocking and stuff. I have a responsibility to pray for him. Why? Because the whole world is watching him. Our enemies are watching him. And I'm commanded to pray for him. So I'm not denying it. I'm not denying clearly There's inflation. We don't deny those things. The the, the focus, though, is not on those things. The focus is, and this is part of going back to Genesis 1, God never, ever created any believers, any people in his name to be governed by what happened in the world around them, but to be governed by what he said. Without revelation, the people of God perish. So what is the revelation you have right now? One of the things the Lord told me uh, when the shutdown began, I remember it was like a Saturday. I was supposed to go to Ohio, and that got canceled. And so I just went before the Lord. And I remember him speaking so clearly to me. He said, this doesn't change what I've spoken for you and for the body of Christ. So what? I began to pull out the prophetic words. They became my promises for that season. They began my... Revelation is your currency, Revelation is your currency in times when you're facing difficulty. So Caleb is seeing this situation differently. By the way, the problem was not these giants. Again, the problem was their inability to trust God. Caleb quieted the people of Moses and said, "Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it." But when the men had gone up with him, he said, "We're not well able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we." They gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which had spied out saying, "The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabits, and all the, people, all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. Again, they're not lying. There we saw the giants of the descendants of Enoch and came from the giants, and we are like grasshoppers in our own sight. So we are in their sight. Now, I also want you to notice this. In defining moments, it is extremely important who you listen to. Yes. You're, you, and this is just a general discipleship point. We were not created... To fill our hearts with two different appetites. Meaning this. You pull out the prophetic word, you know, the wonderful thing about a technology, you just listen to it. Oh, that's what God said two years ago. Oh, this is encouraging. Then you listen to a, 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 a teaching on the word of God. You fill yourself. I, I'm always listening to the word. Go to bed with it on, wake up with it on, word, 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 word. I love the word of God. And guess what happens? The more you put the word, the more hungry you get for it. Amen. Amen. You hunger for what you're putting in your body. You know, you're uh, probably four years ago, I was in uh, California. A friend of mine had a, his network gathering and he asked me to be one of the speakers and no, no, this was a weekend at his church, so ministering, and they heard I like Cheesecake Factory. Thank you, Lord, yeah. That and coffee. You can't, you can't, you can't have Cheesecake Factory every night, though, not cheesecake. I can eat, you can eat some of the food there. but. So she asked me on Friday night, what kind of cheesecake do you like? I said, well, I like that. I like the regular kind, the red velvet kind. The Cinnabon cheesecake had not come out yet. Lord, if you have not had that, that is that's in heaven, that's another level of glory right there, (laughs) Jesus, so I did the morning meeting, and she comes to me, we're going to another room for lunch, and she says, I bought you every type of cheesecake you told me you liked, and you must eat it, because I bought it for you, so I'm an obedient servant of the Lord, so I went, I tried every part she gave me. And I remember getting to my hotel room that night, and I thought, I, I like it, but I limit myself. No more cheesecake for like, <laughs> like five, six months. That's just way over the top. The next morning, I'm teaching, kind of like this. And I'm, I'm focused. And the thought goes, I would like another piece of cheesecake. Why? You put it in your body. David said, my heart and my flesh cry out in an old covenant. He had put himself in the presence of the Lord so much that his body began to ache for the very things of the Lord. Your flesh is not bad. Your flesh only does what it's trained to do. (laughs) But be careful who you listen to. So what do these guys do? These are leaders in the nation of Israel. And they spew this on all the other people and it causes them to be fearful. It causes them to miss their defining moment. Look at verse 11. This is important. Then the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people reject me? And how long will they not believe me? A lack of trust And God, in his word, is a rejection of God. How long will these people reject me? With signs which I have performed among them, I will strike them with the pestilence and disinherit them, and I will make of you a nation greater. (laughs) I love what Moses Moses says. Basically, I'm going to kill them. And Moses steps in here. And Moses said to the Lord, Then the Egyptians will hear, hear of it, for by your might, you brought these people from among you and they will tell it to the inhabitants of the land that you have heard that you, the Lord, among them, the people, your Lord, uh, that you, Lord, are seen face to face and your clouds stand above them and you shall go before them in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night." Now, if you kill these people as one man, then the nations have heard of it, Of your fame will speak of it, saying, because the Lord was not able to bring them to the, this people to a land, which he swore to give them. Therefore, he killed them in the wilderness. I love this because he stands as an intercessor. And now I pray, let the power of the Lord be great, just as you have spoken, saying. Now, here is, here is uh, a picture into the heart of God. Let's read verse 20 the Lord said, I have pardoned them according to your word, but truly as I live, all the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. Catch that part and catch God's passion. Part of the reason it's so important for you to live in breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough is because God owns the world and he wants his people to inherit it properly and to show forth his glory in the world. He said, As the earth, as long as I live, I'm promising to you this, the whole earth is going to be filled with the knowledge of God's glory. That's his passion. That's his passion. But his point in them and wanting to break them forward is he wants them to fill the earth with the knowledge of God's glory. But here's what he says. And verse 22, because all these men who have seen my glory and signs which I did in Egypt in the wilderness and have now put me to the test and have not heeded my voice, they certainly shall not see the land which I swore to their fathers, nor shall any of those who rejected uh, me see it. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully, I will bring him into the land where he went and descend, and it catch that part, and his descendants shall inherit it now catch this part. Now the Amalekites and Canaanites dwell in the valley tomorrow and turn and move. Uh, now the Amalekites and Canaanites dwell in the valley tomorrow. Turn and move out into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. So notice what God mentions there of why they're not going to inherit something. These are people who saw miracles. These are people who saw the glory of the Lord. When you see and experience certain things in God, God actually holds you responsible for that reshaping the way you see reality. Let's go back up to this high point that we made earlier. And it's this, many times what we see as extraordinary events are God's invitation to what he wants to to be normal in your life. Hold on a second. Let's settle in a little bit. (laughs) So what I mean by that is this. Let's say any area of your life. You pray for someone. They're miraculously healed of cancer. Now, I haven't seen 100% cancer healed yet. Yet. But we go, oh, look what God did. Celebrate it. It's awesome. We should celebrate it. And what he's trying to teach us is about his goodness to heal, his desire to heal, as long as people are in agreement for them to be 100% healed. But sometimes 10 years later, we're talking about that. Oh, that person was healed. It wasn't that revival. And God was going, I was trying to teach you how that was a normal way of living. Or maybe when you moved in here, not I know no one in this room. No one in this room, prophet Danny. Say... Hey, we're going to build this new building for God and we're going to, on this day, we're going to receive an offering because we need to, we're believing God for $75,000 for, you know, we got to get a down payment for this building on it. And God speaks to your family. We're going to give $10,000. You never give $10,000 in your life as a pleasure. You're going to give $1,000. Lord, Jesus, $1,000. And you sacrificially give that $1,000. And what does God do? Supernaturally, over the next year, you see financial miracles you've never seen. And then you go, Oh, look what God did. God did this six years ago. You know, we gave this to God. And He wasn't trying to give you an event, He was trying to teach you a new way of living. Because a year and three years from now, He doesn't want to just give you, He doesn't want you to give a thousand. He wants you to give five. Then He wants you to give ten. Then He wants you to give twenty. Why? Because your ability to grow with Him in those areas not only funds what He's doing in the immediate, But teaches you this principle of seed time and harvest and how you can expect to grow. So he doesn't want to, he wants you to give, give you, he wants you to give you testimony after testimony after testimony in those areas. Isn't it interesting, right? Mark the sixth chapter. He multiplies the food. What do you have? What do you have? Oh, okay, if we, even if we take the whole budget, Jesus, that'll be, be barely enough for them to eat. What do you have? He multiplies it. They have more than enough because that's who he is. Very next story, he goes, let us go, let's go to the other side, you know? And then it throws in, Mark throws in this phrase that I think is, is, is teaching this concept. It's, you know, it's getting scary and, you know, and it says, they had not understood the miracle of the loaves and the fishes. So what's he trying to tell you? The miracles are beautiful. They're, they're wonderful, but they're not just to teach you about miracles. They're to teach you about a way of life. I'll give you an example, too, from my own life where I've learned this principle I was in Switzerland, first time I was in Switzerland, maybe six, seven years, you know, probably six years ago, and we were doing this exploratory trip, so this is our second and last night in Switzerland, we were doing a few different tours, a few different nations we were going to, and, uh, excuse me, it's the last night there in Switzerland, we had had some dinner, and Worship team's warming up, and my friend who's a tremendous worship leader, he's going to play with the team that night. And I've always had this thing with sounds, and they had the, this jimbe there, so I'm playing this jimbe thing for the service. And Lord speaks to me. He said, I'd like you to play the jimbe. And I said, Lord, I don't play the jimbe. So he tells me again, I would like you to play the jimbe. I said, I don't play the jimbe. Then he always gets me with this one. He said, I thought you, w- you told me you would do whatever I asked you to do. <laughs> right, boss. I got it, got it. So I start playing the djembe, and the meeting begins. And, Paul, it was horrible. <laughs> it was. You got to tell the whole story how it is, you know. You know some people, like, they they... they i not saying they lie, they elaborate on their, you know, I had the faith, you know, like, I'll just tell you, I've seen some of the most extraordinary miracles I, I've seen, I, I had no faith for, you know, just like, I'm praying, I'm praying in faith, I don't know if anything's going to happen, but, you know, you got to say what's going on, sometimes, I've seen miracles, and then I see, like, the difference between the miracle and the testimony, it goes, and I just prayed, and I, you know, that's not how I saw it, but anyway, so, tell the story, you know, encourage people, you know, so, I'm going, God, this is not good, you know when it's not good and i said there i am never never come back here but he said he said to me i didn't tell you to sing i told you to play cuz i was singing too got it boss so i start playing and it starts rolling it starts i mean it was what they still talk about how powerful what God did that night. God just crashed in the room that night. Then the word of the Lord came for the nation. It was, they still remember it. Really, really connected me with that area of Switzerland. And I thought, this is just really interesting. And here's another mark of maturity in the body of Christ and maturing as a disciple. It's the ability to be self-aware. Some of the most deceived people sometimes are in the body of Christ. So I thought I did a really good job. I did. know, I did. So I asked my friend, and he's a worshiper. Thank God. I knew God. There was a reason he was there with me that night, and he'd done this trip with me. He goes, that was amazing. i have never seen you do that. And then the, the girl who was leading the band, she said, that was amazing. I said, yeah, I've never done that before in my whole life. She goes, oh, we were watching you. We figured you did this all the time, so we just followed you. The whole band was following me. So I said, what is going on here, Lord? So I went back to my hotel room that night. And this is an encouragement to you to don't don't miss your opportunity to learn from the miraculous. And I said, Lord, what, what just happened here tonight? He said, anything I tell you to do, you can do by faith. Anything God tells you to do, you can do by faith. And it's not just miracles, it's everything. Everything. So you see, they... They saw the miracle, so God held them responsible for it. He said, I showed you this. I displayed this to you, and your hearts never change. And now because your hearts never change, you're missing a defining moment. And here's the God principle in there. He doesn't throw them away. He never does that to people. (laughs) He never leaves you nor forsake you. But here's what does happen. He has to deal with them, and and by the way, he has to deal with with their own confession. Their revelation of God in that moment became the God that they knew in that moment. Catch that. Their revelation of God. God can't bring us through. Okay, so I'm gonna bring you around for 40 years, even though I never intended it for you. I wanted to bring you into a land with houses, with things that flew. So it's also a very important life principle. One of the ways God changes the world around you is first he has to change us on the inside. I think one of the most powerful principles of Joseph's life is that he is able to be, he is able to be a blessing no matter what environment he is so that when he comes into a place of power, the blessing and the authority do not destroy him. And he's governing himself. His blessing is a blessing to Potiphar. His blessing is a blessing to the jailer. And it's before it ever benefited him. He didn't throw him away though. He just took, they said, okay. Because now, this is your thought process. I'm not leaving you, but you're about to go on a 40 year journey. Where I'm gonna provide for you every day, and you'll just have just enough for every day. And on the sixth day, you're gonna to have to trust me that that'll last that day so you don't have to come pick it up. Yet his desire was them to go into something that was rightfully theirs. So often, we get to decide what we're gonna experience in our lifetime. And also, I want to suggest to you too, that there are expiration dates for certain things that God tells us. There are expiration dates for certain things that God tells us. There are expiration dates for certain things that God tells us. There are expiration dates for certain things that God tells us, because what does he tell them? First they go, okay, okay, we're going to try and go in, too late. They try and go in and they die. There was a season to act and obey. When they realized the consequences they wanted to obey, and he goes, that, that season has ended. I'm not throwing you away. I'm just saying that's no longer available to you now. Now look at Joshua chapter Two for a moment. You'll notice, too, 40 years later, they're about to go back in. Moses has died. Joshua now has inherited the leadership. But you'll also notice, too, that they still must trust God to go into the promised land. It's not like they just walked in 40 years later. Now the whole walls are fortified and everything. And here's what, the, here's what Rahab tells the guys. Again, almost the same exact scenario. They are, they, are, they are scouting out this land, and this is what it says. Now before they uh, uh, look at verse 8, just picking up a story there. Now before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said, I know that the Lord has given you the land, and the terror of you has fallen on us, that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of Amorites, who were on the other side of Shittah, Hama, and, and whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, catch that, our hearts melted, neither there remain any courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, he is the God in heaven and on the earth. He said, as soon as we heard what God did in the Red Sea, we knew it was basically American Abner translation. And we knew that we were, it was game over. Right. They were already defeated in their hearts. All the children of Israel needed to do was to trust God to walk in. I don't say that to put shame to them. I don't know what I would have done in that moment. I say it to learn from them. God had a victory already set aside for them. All they had to do was trust and see it differently. Caleb was seeing the world differently than all those other spies. And what happened? Him and his family inherited something differently than all those other guys. Those guys died. He inherited something from heaven that still is alive today. There was a victory on the other side of that defining moment for them. And I love what Caleb says too. Caleb says, I'm as strong now as I was back then. I love it, he didn't lose heart. Here's, here's another principle in living a defining moment. Other people and other believers and even maybe other churches are not your standard. For people, well, this person is right. Those people are not my standard. Well, they tried this and this way. I just know that I have to trust God in this moment, and I will fully inherit what he's asking me to inherit. It's a defining moment for God's people.